Before we start today's episode, I want to mention our sponsor, Swoosh English, the best way to pass your OET or IELTS exams. For 10% off any course, go to swooshenglish.com forward slash our voices discount or click the link in the episode description. I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices in the NHS, a stage for real people to tell the real stories we never get to hear. In this series, we hear personal stories from NHS medical professionals. If you found meaning in these episodes, please share them with a friend so they can enjoy them as well. Let's delve into today's episode. You see heroic behaviour in the most unexpected of places. This is Jed. He's a director for Health Education England, the arm of the NHS that looks after the workforce. He's also a clinical surgeon specialising in breast cancer and working in Manchester. Growing up in the Wirral in a low-income family, Jed managed to secure a scholarship to an all-boys Catholic grammar school. His path to a career in medicine wasn't exactly of his own choosing. If you showed any signs of academic ability. You were given the choice of either becoming a Catholic priest or becoming a doctor. And for reasons which I probably don't need to go into, I opted for the latter rather than the former and applied to medical school not really knowing what I was doing. When he arrived, Jed wasn't sure if he fit in. And I found medical school very frightening, really. I think there were a lot of people there who had family members who were doctors who are familiar with the healthcare system or wanted to pursue medicine as a career for a variety of different reasons. But I think I felt um, a little bit like a fish out of water, certainly for the first two years, which was mostly university learning. When I started to work on the wards with real people, I felt more and more and more comfortable. I could be myself. I, I loved the daily interaction with patients, no matter who they were, relatives, and uh, found myself spending more time on the wards than I would do uh, at home or in the student's accommodation. When he reached his fourth year of medical school, Jed was given the option to do a medical elective, an opportunity for him to practice medicine anywhere in the world for three months. Immediately, he knew where he wanted to go, and there was one person who was where his inspiration came from. One of my childhood heroes was my Uncle Jim. I was brought up by my grandmother, and he used to live in the house when he was there, but the time when he wasn't there, he was a chef on a cruise liner, and he used to come home when I was a child and tell me stories and bring stuff back from Southwest Asia and from India. Uncle Jim had a special interest in Jed and knew he had potential. I came from a family where nobody had been to school past the age of 14, and so nobody had ever been to university before. But he sort of instilled that, that curiosity in me about different parts of the world, different bits of learning. He taught me how to play chess, for instance, which he'd picked up on one of his long journeys. And he'd come back and talk about the smells and the sights and the sounds and the different places and the different cultures and the fact that India was made up of lots and lots of different countries or states all of whom had really quite different people and that the people were welcoming and friendly and, and happy and the food was wonderful. All of this created for, for a, a youngster, you know, a person in their formative years, sort of pictured this imaginary nirvana. And so creating that sort of curiosity to find out, to pursue knowledge, to pursue experience, I think that's why I found him so exciting, really. When Jed was 10 years old, 
His uncle Jim died suddenly. He got his first posting in Hong Kong and he uh, died of a heart attack as he was getting onto the boat. And it was a massive shock to me. It was 17th of December in 1975. And I'll remember that day as long as I live. And of course, when somebody dies age 10, the impact on it is very exaggerated over the year. It sort of imprints on you. To honour Uncle Jim's memory, Jed decided to go to India. He signed up to work in a hospital in Madras and booked a flight to Chennai. And that whole experience, really, that, that following eight weeks together with the journey completely changed my life. I asked Jed what was different about practicing medicine in India. There was no formal outpatient appointments. What they did at 7 a.m. in the morning is the entire surgical team, and there may have been 30 or 40 of the surgical team, would set up a big pile of trestle tables outside in the courtyard and just open the gates. And you would get hundreds of people, some of whom had traveled with their families 50, 60, 70, 80 miles on foot with terminal conditions who would come and just hold the hand out and say, can you help? The mechanism for triage was uh, so basic. You know, yes, we can do something with you, for you. Please stand there. No, we can't do something for you. Please go home. It really opened my eyes into into how to manage, how to cope in those situations which were so different from the environment that I'd started to learn in within the NHS. And, and those sort of metacognitive learning opportunities that I've experienced at that time uh, have stuck with me every day of my practice of recognizing, you know, that if I can't do it one way, I can do it another way, that the person who's listening to me mightn't understand the way I I'm explaining it. I might need to explain it in, in another way. But it's better to work in a team to, to try and solve an impossible problem than try and tackle it on your own. That it's better to understand the limits of your own ability and recruit other people to do things that you can't do. You know, all of these things I can pin back to that particular moment. I noticed that all of Jed's learnings from his time in Chennai were about his personal and emotional growth and especially about how he related to others. Healthcare is all about people. You know, you can look at the flashing lights and the big machines and the drugs and the pharmacology and everything else, but at the end of the day, health and well-being is entirely dependent on the relationship between people. One of the things I realized when I was in Chennai was that it doesn't matter where you go across the world, you have an opportunity to learn from people. And if your radar is on to learn from people, it will fundamentally make you a better clinician, a better person, a better understanding. Now, when I tell people that I went for my medical elective to India and I did surgery, they said, oh, you must have operated on a lot of patients or you must have learned a lot of things. And actually, my memories of, of Chennai are not to do with that at all. My memories of Chennai are about culture and sight and sound and communication and suffering uh, and coping in resource poor settings and how to work as a team. In his current role in the NHS as Director of Global Engagement, Jed has a direct impact on whether staff can have similar impactful experiences in their development. My passion is the belief that if you can get people to have that bit of courage and to 
pack their suitcase and go and experience another healthcare environment, no matter where it is. When they return, they'll be a better clinician, they'll be a better person, they'll be more culturally competent, they'll have greater metacognitive skills. And what we're trying to do today is to try and give that opportunity to as many of the future and current workforce as we possibly can in the NHS. When the pandemic hit, Jed's job changed dramatically. He could no longer travel around the globe and carry out his duties as normal. This left him with extra time to work in the cancer ward in Manchester. What we didn't want to do, of course, was to completely neglect all of these worried women who were developing problems with their breasts particularly, which is my interest. He was adamant that the ward should operate as usual as missed breast cancer diagnoses could have severe consequences for women across the country. All of Jed's consultations moved online. There was one conversation early on in the pandemic that lingers in his mind, and it was with a woman in her early 80s. What became clear very early in the conversation is this woman had quite an advanced localised breast cancer that she's not presented to anybody with. I got to the stage of saying to this woman, I think you're quite sick. I think we need to to see you and to treat you. And I, I remember her very clearly saying to me, oh, no, I can't do that. And, and I said, why can't she? said, well, it's this thing, isn't it, this virus? And I said, are you frightened about coming in and we can look at it? She said, no, 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 no. People with the virus are more important. They're more important. And I said, well, actually, you've got a breast cancer and we can treat that breast cancer. We can treat it quite safely. And she said, no, no, the priority is the virus. And she was going to refuse treatment on the basis of the fact that she might be taking up an imaginary person's place for COVID-19. Jed spent over half an hour on a video call with her, trying to persuade her to accept the treatment she needed. It was almost like a, a sales pitch, really. We sort of had to convince her that there was space, that you could actually do these two things at once. And so she, she created this environment where if there was a prioritization, then she was low priority. In her brain, she made up her own mind that at 80 something, she was low priority because somebody who was 45 and had respiratory difficulties needed to be able to take that bed. And of course, she listened on the media about how precarious the ITU situation, as it turns out, it wasn't particularly precarious at that stage, but she'd read about all of these things and therefore made this active or proactive decision that should she get into trouble, she would sacrifice herself for somebody else. I mean, just incredible. After a long discussion, the woman visited the hospital and received treatment for her advanced breast cancer. Since then, she has undergone surgery and recovered well. But the statement that she made that day represents something so essential about human nature to Jed. COVID-19 has brought out behaviour and revealed bits of people's character, that sense of society and sense of belonging and sense of, you know, what's important to them, like, like no other time I've experienced in my entire life, to be honest. In the early stages where we didn't have the PPE, you know, the junior staff were falling over themselves to go and volunteer to work within the, the high intensity areas where we knew this virus was 
doing real serious damage people talk about that sort of war mentality don't they and, and the fact that you see the best in humans when you when they're put under pressure like this and actually there's been a lot of tragedy over the course of the last uh, last 12 months but there have also been some real green shoots of proper human endeavor and, and hope i think out of the two stories jed told me the underpinning message is the same that working in the medical profession is a window into the way people are living now and that when times are tough, as they have been recently, people care about others deeply and want to help in any way they can. Jed's experiences across two continents are fascinating. From his time working in India in a situation of resource scarcity, to his current role working in the NHS during a global pandemic. Jed's reflections make us aware of the importance of working together as a collective for our own greater benefit. This sometimes involves heroic self-sacrifice, such as seen by the junior doctors Jed describes, putting themselves at risk of contracting the virus while working with sick patients without having the adequate PPE. This was also seen by Jed's elderly patient who wished to put a national emergency before her own health. But it's also seen via all of us who have had to make sacrifices during this pandemic by following COVID protocols in order to keep vulnerable people safe and to allow our doctors and nurses to be able to keep on functioning during the most difficult of times. Jed talks about the green shoots of human endeavour. As we finally begin to contemplate recovering from this virus, it excites me to reflect on what those green shoots may be able to blossom into. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to keep in touch with the show, and be the first to find out what's coming up next, go to our website, www.ourvoicespodcast.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. And if you haven't already, give us a quick follow in your favorite podcast app. See you for another incredible story next week. I want to acknowledge our sponsor, Swoosh English, for making these podcasts possible. It's the best place to get training and support to pass your OET, IELTS, and PT exams. If you want to hear from doctors or nurses who've passed their exam with the help of Swoosh English, go and listen to episodes from Rima, Midun, Cynthia, Tara, and Hussein. For 10% off any course, visit swooshenglish.com forward slash Our Voices discount.